We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Ryan, it is mailbag time. You came back just in time, man. So we got some questions. Yeah. We don't have a lot right now. We'll see if some get added. Uh, but uh, let's let's dive into this, this mailbag. Let's do it. Ready to go. Irish blooded with a question to kick us off. Who would you say is Clemson's best win so far? Syracuse or Wake Forest? I'd say Syracuse oh. for two reasons. Yeah. I mean, they're both four and four, right? Neither right. of them are very good. Uh, Syracuse was on the road. So that's part of it for me. And then it was a much more convincing win. Like when sure. I, when you watch the yeah. Wake Forest game, it was, it was kind of an ugly win, right? It just was like, eh, it's just an ugly win. Those two teams haven't played each other. And, and, you know, Syracuse is not playing well now. They're both four and four and all that type of stuff. I think, I think Wake Forest has been a, little, a more competitive team in their losses than, than Syracuse. When Syracuse loses, they tend to lose big. Uh, yeah. But you went on the road and you beat them convincingly, you know, and, and you, you played well. You, you, your offense didn't play great, but they did what they needed to do. They didn't turn it over a bunch, hit a couple big plays. When when Syracuse made that really big mistake at the end of the first half, I think it was 14-7, to seven, and they decided to go for it on fourth down at midfield, the Clemson offense. And I think one of Clemson's two scores at the time, Ryan, was like a, a very short drive because you recovered a fumble. And, 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 and uh, Coach Babers decided to go for it, and it definitely didn't work out. And Clemson went right down the field and scored. So their offense did what they needed to do. And and, and they were actually down 14 to seven, if you remember, at one point, Ryan. And yep. they were able to kind of come out and and um kind of turned it into a, a much bigger lead. So Yeah. I, yeah. I think just for the simple final score of 31-14, that would edge it out for me. Cause like you said, the Wake Forest game was a was an ugly affair. I actually yeah. kind of like a couple of the players on the Wake Forest defense, which, you know what I mean? But, like, yeah. I mean, both teams aren't very good. So, right. if we're going to, you know, I'm, I'm, it, the final result is what I would work with there. I said that they went for a fourth down. They went for a long field goal on fourth down. It's like a 57-yard field goal. And then that gave them great field position. So, that's that. 
that's what happened. And then Clemson went right down and scored. Yeah, I mean, Ryan, if I were to if I were to make a prediction today on who would win in the in the matchup against Wake Forest and Syracuse, because they actually play each other at the end of the year. Last game of the season, they yeah. play at Syracuse. If I was making a prediction right now, I'd say if if Wake Forest has their starting quarterback back, I'd pick Wake Forest to win that game. I, I would. Probably. But as far as best win on the road, more convincing. That's their best win to me. Neither yeah. of them are very good. And the fact that Clemson is is we're having this conversation is 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 not a good sign. And you need to make sure as Notre Dame that they don't then say that the the answer to that question a week from now isn't Notre Dame. That's what they need. Because because it, it would easily be Notre Dame. <laughs> there would be no conversation. Anymore. And it won't yeah. change the rest of the year. I mean, it'll be that right. way the rest of the year. With all due respect to North Carolina. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Connor Patton with the super chat. Thank you so much, Connor. He says, "If I'm Clemson, I'm sick of turning the ball over, and I want to, it, nothing else stop the turnovers. Could this be worked into a Notre Dame strategy?" Well, uh, so are, are we are we saying that the offense for Clemson gets a little bit more like passive, and you're just kind of ball control, uh, and you don't want to make mistakes? Like, is that what we're kind of I saying could, here? I guess I could see that, Ryan. I could. I mean, if I'm Clemson right now, I'm going to stay. I'm going to force Notre Dame's offense to 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 beat us. I'm, I'm going to make, I'm, I'm, I'm going to trust our defense not to put them. And this is a mistake that I think coach Sweeney has made this year. I think at times he, his trust of his defense has been, let's go for it on fourth down or let's take a chance here. And then it doesn't work out as opposed to, Hey, we're not very good on offense. So how about we, I don't know, let's punt it here and make that team go X number of yards and, right. and score on our defense, which just most teams aren't, capable of doing and and so i could see them employing that strategy i could certainly see that i could certainly see that and it would it would make sense to do so now can notre dame can that work into notre dame's strategy if clemson is coming out playing conservative if i'm notre dame i would do the exact opposite take chances because their off your offense matches up better against their defense than the other way around in my opinion right 
And so if you can jump ahead of their offense, Ryan, and get them out of that, then that's advantage Notre Dame. Because if, if this comes down to Cade Klubman has got to put this team on his shoulders and he's going to do some things that you've got to be worried about. He's a very good runner. He's a very good athlete. But you can force him into mistakes. If you can get him moving, if you can get him uncomfortable in a pocket, he will make mistakes. Flat out will make mistakes. And, and so if you allow him to play into this strategy, then you have that. So offensively, I want to see Notre Dame take some chances. Defensively, Ryan, that means you've got to create some big negatives and early downs, and you've got to limit big plays because if Clemson employs that strategy, then they're going to say, hey, we're going to run the ball. We're going to try to establish line of scrimmage. We're going to run the perimeter quick game and try and suck you down. And what does Clemson do when the defense starts to suck down? Even a conservative Clemson team is going to take a shot down the field, right? And so you've got to be able to make some plays in those situations. And if they're able to do that, then um, they're going to have success against Notre Dame. If not, yeah. then Notre Dame will perform well. Well, I, th- I think the problems with turnovers for Clemson is not necessarily as a passing offense in the sense of quarterback throwing to wide receivers because we haven't seen a ton of interceptions where they have five on the season. It's just like five stupid fumbles, man, like in the pocket and running backs fumbling. Like it's just – it's been ugly. So like that version of you, you like Clemson needs to figure that out, right? Because, mm-hmm. again, I'm, I'm going to take a – interception or two occasionally if my if my if my quarterback is taking some chances i'm going to take that but the fumbles are just stupid man like they just in the worst times of the football game as well it seems to be this year for clemson so that's something they definitely have to figure out whether that's extra ball security drills over the these last couple weeks whether that is an attention to detail thing i mean whatever it is you need to figure that part out because that is just shooting yourselves in the foot there's no doubt about that I will say this, Ryan. You are correct. They don't throw a lot of interceptions, but their interceptions seem to be damaging. And Duke has thrown five picks on the year. Those picks have come in four different games. In those four games, they're one and three, the exception being Charleston Southern. They threw a pick against Duke, a pick against Miami, and two picks against NC State. And they were – because when he makes those mistakes, they tend to be like the turnover he had against Notre Dame last year. In yeah. bad moments and bad situations, it's the bad turnovers, not the volume per se, but the boy that couldn't have come at, the, at a worse time. But you couple that with the fumbles, and he turns it over a lot. He just doesn't throw a lot of picks. To your point, you you said it correctly. But you've you got the lost fumble against Miami that that took killed a drive. You got the fumble against Florida State that allowed Florida State to return it for a touchdown. It's those things that this team does. Fumbling at the goal line against Miami that wipes out a touchdown. It, it's it's. Not only do they turn it over a lot, Ryan, but they turn it over in the worst possible scenarios that almost always result in points, either short fields for the other team or take points off the board for you. And, boy, you just you can't allow that to happen. Like what Notre Dame did early against Pitt last week, like my, they make a they do that regularly at Clemson. Just yeah. put a drive together and turn it over. And that's what gets them in a lot of trouble. Yeah, a super sticker from Raymond Hart, and thank you, Raymond, very, Raymond. very, very much. We had a question from Colmy Tyus: Is predict the three starting linebackers if the current three were to leave? Does Jalen Sneed sneak in? Well, I'd I'd be surprised if he's not. In I mean, he'll have a great shot at it because he'll be a veteran. But yeah, I I would wonder where, like right. Is he a rover? Is he a will? I mean, right now he's kind of playing will. I know he's listed as the number two rover, but I've yet to see him play a snap at rover this season, right? It's either been will or pass rusher. 
Would they, would they put Jay Nosbury at Rover? Because I feel like he's been playing Possibly. a little now too, right? I mean, like, uh, it's kind of been a little weird. Now, he he did play positions. some Rover in the spring, so yes. he's played it. But, yes, in games we've seen him play, he's played inside. So I just yeah. think they're kind of moving away from that a little bit, which – you know, I'm curious how they're gonna how they're gonna handle that. But I, I Jalen Steed, Jay Nalls were the two best options. I mean, you're gonna have a battle at Mike between Drake Bowen and Nolan Ziegler. And I think you're gonna have a battle at Will between Jalen Sneed and Jay Nallsbury. That's what I think we'll see. And you don't think Z- Ziegler will get a chance at the Will spot next year? Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. But I think he's gonna get a shot at Mike. I mean, you could see a situation, Ryan, where they're like, dude, our two best linebackers are our two Mikes. Yeah. I could see that could certainly see yeah. that and that's the thing that notre dame has said to all these kids just a little you know behind the scenes is they've said hey look where you're playing now is not you're not locked into that they've told these kids right. if, if you if you are one of our two best linebackers this is why they cross train and again i i don't think they should cross train as much when they're freshmen but then after the freshman year i'm all for it let them learn something first right get good at something first but the whole point of cross training and why it's good to do eventually is because you don't get in situations where you've got your two best linebackers or mics, and then you got to move one of them, but you're like, but this kid's never played Will before. Right. These kids are getting work at those. So if your two best linebackers are Jaden Osbury and Jalen Sneed, you can move Jalen Osbury into Mike, which they've put him at Mike at times. If your two best linebackers are Drake Bone and Nolan Ziegler, then you move one of them out to Will, and you let him play Will. I'd be curious who they would do that with, because if you've seen Nolan Ziegler in the last couple games, he's got yeah. huge He's a big kid, like yeah. he is yep. big, yep. and and you know, but I could see Drake filling out like that next year too, with a year. Drake's pretty room. big for a freshman, you know? man. Yeah, so, yeah, he's big. So kid. I I think it'll be some sort of combination of those four. Now, what's the what's the who's the wild card? There's this cat out in California named Kingston Villiama Asa who may, as I think he's yeah. going to be an early enrollee, right? I believe he, he, he could have a say in the conversation as well. Yes. But yeah, he's and also then Knight, 30 pounds and ready to play. So right yeah. now, who's your rover? That's the that's a different question. That's an, an, a more interesting question. I yep. personally, of all the guys in the conversation, I, I would I would probably lean towards Jaden Osbury because I think he's the most natural in coverage. But Jalen Seed has the best physical skill set for it. But with Jalen Seed, it's kind of like, do I really want to get him that far away from the football? That's my right. if Jalen Seed's a starting linebacker for me, I want him closer to the ball. That's just you know, because you put him at Rover half the time, he's not going to be on the field. Now you're cross training him. He's the one kid I would not cross train right now. He has to learn to be good at one. You know, he's already cross because he's already kind of cross training already, Ryan. He's already playing Will and fight kind of at the edge rusher. Now you yeah. want him playing Rover and Will. I don't know if I'd put that much on his sh- shoulders, but we'll see. I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting battle for sure. I agree that those are the four guys, though, that you need to keep close eyes on for sure. I'm also interested to see what second year Preston Zinter, what kind of bump he takes yeah. this offseason as well. So, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, where I'm most curious to see the jump that Nolan, that Preston Zinter takes, it's not even necessarily as a linebacker, it's his body. Because yeah. you and I talked about this, like he's a kid that could maybe outgrow that linebacker position because he's a pretty long kid Good. and maybe be a guy that provides some Viper depth, perhaps. But he could also just, you know, ref- get refined, stay as big as he is, but just kind of refine and not actually add a lot of mass. Like Josh Burnham just came yeah. to their name as 20 pounds like that. I mean, just you're like, dude, this kid's going to keep growing. I don't know that no one that Preston Zinter necessarily has that kind of frame. He could just be up to 235, 240, and just this is what That's I it, am. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just ripped up and strong and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it would be unwise to just assume he's not going to be in the conversation as well. So good call on that one, right? 
We have Beef Eater. What's up, Beef Eater? What happened to the three-back set we ran against Ohio State? Well, I think it's one of those things where it's not necessarily – it was more of an Ohio State thing. You know, trying to – the offense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Specialized. Doesn't mean they won't bring it out this week, but it was more of a, a an OSU wrinkle. Yep. We had Irish Gordian Knott. What's up, IGK? At this point, how close is Notre Dame-Clemson to truly being a rivalry that requires its own traveling trophy? You know, I'm going to look at something here real quick, Ryan, and I want to find out what Notre Dame's future schedules are and see if I can see when Notre Dame plays Clemson again because that's going to tell me the answer to that. So they've obviously played each other a lot recently. The next time they play, however, is not till 2027. So four, five, six. So you're talking about four more years before they play each other again. Then they play each other in 28 and then in 31. So there's another stretch coming up here soon, assuming they don't throw this all out. Because that's the other thing, too, is this could all get thrown out with the three new teams in the league. They may have to redo some of this. Uh, They could also just say, hey, look, we're going to make Stanford a non-conference game. Or, hey, Notre Dame, that's going to be an ACC game, but you're still going to play Stanford every year. I don't know how they're going to do it. But I don't know that I would call it a rivalry after this game because they don't play again for four years. And I don't know that Clemson's in a position where I have any faith that they're going to like bounce back and be a playoff team in the next couple of years. They could, but I just, I don't see that right now. I don't, I haven't seen coach Sweeney would be willing to make the changes necessary to do that. Good this off season. You know, maybe, maybe Tyler from Spartanburg pisses him off enough to, to do that. But you know what, what's funny. uh, DM ND 13 said he wouldn't be shocked if that was like some kind of plant by Dabo. And you know what? Wouldn't shock me at all. What I mean, I yeah. don't think it was, but if you found out that it was, would it surprise you? Wouldn't surprise me at all. Because Coach Sweeney has been a master at that, finding ways to kind of create that us against the world mentality. Like, remember when sure. they were like winning titles and he was doing that 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 Roy stuff? You know, they were on the Roy bus. It was Alabama and the rest of you. I'm like, bro, you guys just beat Bama. You're not on the Roy bus anymore. You know what I mean? You you're on the bus with Bama, or Bama's now on the Roy bus. You know, but right. that's just who that's just what he does. I mean, he's 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 great at that. So. Uh, but no, I, I don't think it's his own. It's his own rivalry. I mean, it's it it's it's more like Miami than it is USC, Purdue, Michigan State trophies. You know, games that have more of a um, a, a trophy at stake. You right. still only played each other what eight times, eight nine times, yeah. I think something like that. It needs to be a so, nearly annual thing for it to be start to be a rivalry, in my opinion. Yeah, right? like I, I don't I don't yeah. think that that be that far removed. Right. So it, it can be, you can consider it a rivalry. I'm okay with that. I mean, they've played each other six times. This will be the seventh time or sixth time since night, since 2015. You can kind of call it like a mini rivalry, like Notre Dame had with Miami from like the mid 80s to 90. But that's as, that's as far as it goes. It's like a, a, a yeah. it's not a, what I would consider like a rivalry worthy of a traveling trophy. Because again, Ryan, to me, to have that, the trophy, you got to play regularly. Because otherwise you win one game and then it sits at your, we've had this trophy for four years. I'm like, yeah, because we haven't played you in four years. you know. And then you get into the whole, right. Notre Dame hasn't beat Clemson in X number of days, or Clemson hasn't beat Notre Dame in 975. Yeah, because they haven't played in those 975 days. That's not the kind of trophy that deserves a, a, a or the game, a, a rivalry that deserves a trophy in my view. Agreed. 
We had a question from Lucky Ducks 512 says, would you rather start with the ball against Clemson or be on defense? I would rather be on defense against Clemson, I think, because I don't like I, I just think that the, the biggest strength advantage you have is your defense versus their offense. And so, like, let's get out of the yeah. way and maybe force an early turnover. I don't know. But like, I just think that I'm getting my sh- biggest strength on the field to start the football game. That's just kind of my thought process. I'm an offensive guy, Ryan, and I've always had the mentality of I want the ball to start. That's always been my mentality. But I've also said, if I'm the head coach, I want my best unit on the field unless there's a reason why. Notre Dame's best unit is the defense, and there's no reason why you would want to put your offense on the field first. Because to me, if you trust that unit, here's how you think the game's going to play out. You kick it out of bounds. They start at the 25. The crowd's going to be super ramped up, and they're not going to be as ramped up when our offense gets on the field after three and out or turnover. That, that's what you're you're setting the tone with your best unit. And then now your offense gets the ball, better field position. You know, maybe you're not all the way back to 25. You know, the crowd's a little quieter because you just sacked Kate Klubnik on third down or whatever the case may be. And you're in a much better position. So th- there's no reason to, to for you to choose that. Now they could start on the, you know, Clemson wins the toss and defers, then Notre Dame's going to start with the ball. But if you're Notre Dame, I want to start with my. If I if it's up to me, I'm starting my defense. And for me to say that, it 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 says a lot because I'm normally a I want the ball kind of guy. Yeah. But that's just not who this team is. And that's not a knock on the offense as much as it's an, it's a acknowledgement of just how good this defense is. Yep. We had a super chat from Tyler Evans who says, besides the, this game, I'm looking forward to the Sooners versus the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Who win for the first time in the Big Ten, in the Big Twelve? Is who win for the final time? I think it's supposed to say oh, final, final time. time. Final yeah, because this is going to be that. Uh, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, Ryan. What are your thoughts? I mean, I I want to say Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma's. Uh, I think Oklahoma's reeling, and yeah. I think Oklahoma State is is playing well. But this yeah. is also a rivalry that Oklahoma's dominated in recent years, and it is. It is. You know, I, I think I, this I, game I could go it. either way, though, to be honest. Like, I mean, if you gave me a who's more likely to win, I would probably say Oklahoma because I think they are a more talented football team than Oklahoma State. But if Oklahoma State's able to continue to feed Ollie Gordon and play just good, solid defense, which they have been playing recently for the most part, I think Oklahoma State could pull off that upset. I do. Yeah. I mean, I, but I, again, I think the odds are in Oklahoma's favor, but would I be shocked or I, I don't even want to say shocked? Would I be surprised yeah. if Oklahoma State won? No. I wouldn't be surprised. I think that they have a formula. They have a really good running back, and they have a couple good defensive players, Colin Oliver, and then they the, the Martin kid, the inside linebacker, that are pretty good. So if they forced a couple turnovers and Ollie Gordon had a game, I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma State pulled that upset off. Oklahoma's won seven of the last eight, including last year when Oklahoma wasn't even that good. The only Oklahoma State team that beat Oklahoma was the Fiesta Bowl team from 2021. They beat Oklahoma, and they barely beat Oklahoma. And that was a yeah, that was a decent Oklahoma team, but that was an Oklahoma team that you know was coming off of a thirteen point loss to Baylor and barely beat Iowa State. You know, I mean, it wasn't a, a vintage Oklahoma team. It was, it was good, but it wasn't great. So, it just look, it, it, thing too, Ryan is you, you talk about wanting to be able to to establish the run. They got to find a way to get get the ball down the field. I mean, that's the thing is like they've got to be able to find some ways to not that they got to throw it a bunch because that's just not who they are. I mean, Alan Bowman's got eight touchdowns and five picks on the year. You know what I mean? Like they're just yeah. they're just they're a running football team. 
But last week against Cincinnati, their quarterback only completed 17 passes. That's it. But, but he threw for 286 yards. It's a big place, right? 17 to 34, 286 yards, two touchdowns. Like you can hit a couple big plays in this game. That's where you can have a shot to, because if you can just soften Oklahoma up just a little bit or make them pay for committing to stop the run, that's how I can pull off the upset. I would love to see it. I would love to see it. But, um, and I do like the fact that it's in Stillwater, but yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's, I just need to see it, but I really hope, I really hope so. Cause Oklahoma, it, it, to me, if they lose a second game, they're, they're not a, they're not, I mean, I don't see them finishing ranked ahead of Notre Dame in my view. Probably not. I, I would, yeah. I would be surprised if that happens. Yeah. Cause I also don't but, think they're going to beat Texas in a rematch. I don't. Yeah. Also, also agree there. Also agree there. Mike Gundy is uh he's very interesting by the way. He had a yeah. funny little story about, about Brian Bosworth that went viral, which is pretty weird. I couldn't tell if Bosworth's response was joking or if he was genuinely pissed. I hope he was joking. Oh no, I I I, I think he was just joking around. I, okay. I didn't I didn't because I didn't I didn't I think anything I didn't, I I didn't think anything Gundy said was like disrespectful or anything. Not he at was all. just talking about an experience, you know what I mean? Not at like, all. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, I I just I couldn't tell by reading the tweet, but it was it was pretty funny. He's like, now I could yeah. kick him in the shin and run like heck. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> yeah, I like I'll have those uh, those college stories to reminisce on. Jim Holleran. Thank you so much, Jim, for the question. With the blitzing stats you both gave, how important are the blitz beaters this week? Other than Navy, it seems the blitz beaters have been non-existent. Both of your thoughts go Irish. What? I thought they had pretty good ones against Pitt this past week. I mean, a lot of those we, RPOs and yeah, you know, I mean, not, I, not I consistently thought, enough throughout the season, but like we have seen yeah. games where they've been very effective. Yeah. They have been. I, yeah. I thought last week they the, but that's what I love about RPO stuff too. Ryan is you know you catch them in a in a stunt where you're you know against the run and you throw that ball behind them or get the ball in the perimeter. You make just like we saw with NC State. You you make one guy miss. If you can get that yeah. ball behind, you make one guy miss. And why did that play go for seventy two? Because when he made that corner miss, there was nobody else out there because they caught him yep. in a blitz. So uh, I, I would say they 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 have run plenty of blitz beaters, Ryan. They're just not always effective, right? That's right. the other thing is like just because it doesn't work doesn't mean they're not doing it. But uh, I think the pit game was a good start because the, and this is what you and I talked about last week is is Pitt is arguably the best coach defense that Notre Dame is going to face this year the rest of the way. Not, not all year, yeah. but the rest of the way. Clemson's clearly a, a close second, in my view. Clemson has better players, but philosophically, they're not as far that far off this year, Ryan, where in the past, Clemson was more of a base, do-your-job defense this past season. Under Venables, they were a crazy blitz-from-everywhere team. They're kind of like right in the middle of those two this year. Yeah, And I would say they're a lot more like Pitt this year than they've been in the past, where – they're going to activate their linebackers. They're going to try to shut down the run. They're going to trust their corners to play a lot of man coverage. That's Pitt. So you got a glimpse of it this week. It's just that Clemson's guys are a lot better than the Pitt guys talent-wise. In my from the opinion. games I've seen, a lot of a lot of the pressure that they're bringing outside of the inside linebackers from Clemson is off the slot a lot. They bring you know. that guy kind of off the edge, whether it's a safety rotating down, whether it's a nickel. And I think that Notre Dame really needs to have some slot answers to those pressures because mm-hmm. the best way to beat pressure a lot of people like don't think about this but like the best place to beat pressure is to throw into the pressure right where the pressure is coming from because that's replace the vacated yeah. zone that they're that they're yeah, going replace at, the right? pressure yeah yeah so whether that's a 
bubble, whether that's just like a, a quick glance route, whether that is just something, you know, we just call it an arrow route, which is basically just a slant right into the, to the inside seam there. Right. Like you had to find something to find that vacated area off the slots. And I, so RPO would be huge this week. I don't know if that's in the plans yeah. or not, but like it would be big against Clemson potentially. And we saw a couple blitz beaters against against NC State that worked as well. They had a great blitz plan against uh, Navy that worked very effectively. Because remember the big screen to Audric Estime. They knew a pressure was coming. They knew they had nobody blocking. Hartman just has to find a way to get that ball off to Audric. Yep. And 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 um, the, but because sometimes a blitz beater is a run, and mm-hmm. that's what that long touchdown run was was kind of geared towards. Like, look, they're going to be bringing guys down if you catch them. If you catch them, it's going to go a long way, and it's going to be similar yeah. to, to Clemson. I mean, that's what that's what Miami got them. Miami caught them. My, and here's something I would like to see Notre Dame too do as well. Ryan is one way you can limit the effectiveness of their pressures is to spread them out more. And Miami actually did a pretty decent job of that, as they would line up with some wide pressures and or wide looks, and then you know if, if Clemson would, I think they had like um they brought a linebacker to the offense's left and they just ran right and they just caught him in a pressure where it's like he just ran right to an open hole. And if you can get body on a body, there's nobody there. So sometimes it's going to be running the, running the ball off. And because if you would, and the, the reason I say that is if you widen them out, the way that Clemson handles that is they'll, they'll kind of bump their linebacker out a little bit. So if they are going to bring him, they'll bring him off the edge and you may be yeah. able to get a crease, you know, type cutback type run. So you got to be willing to do that as well is sometimes be able to spread the field. And then if Clemson wants to play more reduced and then they bring a nickel guy and you're throwing a bubble screen behind it, because to your point, Ryan, the, the way that the Notre Dame receivers block, they could, they could do something in the screen game in this game. In my, if they can catch Clemson in a, in a, in a pressure where, you know, Chris, Ty, it's, you know, Chris Tyree in space and you've got Jaden Thomas blocking Nate Wiggins and the safety has got to come from depth. You know, Jordan Faison in space, Jaden Greathouse in space, one of those guys in space where the safety's got to come from depth because you just dominated Sheridan Jones or or Nate Wiggins in the, as the blockers. I could see that being a big advantage for Notre Dame in this game. Absolutely. And you said that in a text to me beforehand. It's like, yeah. run at him, screen at him. Like, get this kid physically, beat him up, basically. You know, legally beat him up, beat him up with blocks, yeah. Up. Yep. And then that's going to impact your ability to maybe make some plays on him in the pass game in the fourth quarter. Riza, Notre Dame is playing in the national championship in 2024 or whatever year. Where are you watching from? Who with? And are you watching as a fan or in your normal capacity? I'll be in the press box, so I'll be. Wa- I won't be. I'll be watching as a fan on the inside, but right. externally, I have to. You know, there's no cheering in the press box. I will more than likely, Riza, be watching at home. I don't know who would be there, if it would just be me and the wife, if my dad would watch. I I don't know exactly who would be there as far as company. I would watch as a fan during the game, and then I would come on the post-game show and be... Very excited. Yes. <laughs> yes. This Very excited, but very professionally excited. So, yes. yes. Yeah. You know what, Ryan, like depending on where the game is and, and the makeup of our staff, like if I could get tickets to that game, I would consider having someone else cover the game and just be there as a fan. Like not for the semifinal game, but if they won the semifinal game and then I'm looking at the championship game, 
Like I, I would, I would do something like that. Like I, yeah. I know we're professionals around here, but if they win a national championship in the post game show, I might bring a whiskey on. I'm just putting that out there. All the that universe. I have asked for you to do, Brian, <laughs> my, my biggest <laughs> rule, I have two big rules. Number one is don't be drunk. There's a difference between, well, I won't, having a I won't be drunk. No, there's a yeah. difference between taking a, a celebra- celebratory shot as opposed to that. Uh, and then the other one is be clothed. Those are my two requirements. For I, 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 I cannot, I cannot promise either one of those things in the post game <laughs> show after national championship. Fortunately, I haven't. I have the ability to kick people out of the chat if Ryan does show up. We're going streaking. We're going down to the quad, back to the gymnasium. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that'll that'll not be happening. That'd be funny though. But no, I mean it would. You know that would be uh, yeah. I I hope we can answer that question for sure in the next couple of years. Yes, Risa, that'd be phenomenal. It'd be a It'd lot be of very fun. nice. It'd be very nice. And it wouldn't shock me. I mean, right now, in the next five years, if if yeah, I've said this, in the next five years, I predict their name won the title. I just their their the trajectory is there for them, in yeah. my opinion, to have a shot to and, do that. And I think the best version of themselves could be just about any team in college football right now. And yeah. in the past, haven't felt that way. Have not felt that no. way. So it's it's getting better. It's getting better. Yeah. Like 2019, if that Notre Dame team in 2019, let's just say they would have beat Michigan and gotten to the playoff, yeah. their best version of themselves still loses to LSU by at least 14 points, at least. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. 2020, the best version of themselves would have needed Alabama to turn it over three, four times to win that game. Just, it's just, they've, they've never been that team. Right. Could they have beaten Clemson and Alabama in 2018? Maybe. Maybe. I still don't think you had the quarterback to do so. So, yeah, they've never been that team where they play their best, they can beat anybody. They needed to play their best and have the other team not play well. Yeah, Exactly. And that's the difference, to Ryan's point now, that I wholeheartedly agree with. Carlos Garzan, I think we had a couple of these questions that were similar. Oh, Yep, sorry, I pulled Carlos's down. I always do that. I always, like, I'll pull it up, and then we start talking about something else, and I'll I'll get Carlos's back here in a second. Okay, no worries. Mark Avalone says, if Sam Hartman wants to get drafted, even if he has trust issues with certain receivers, doesn't he need to risk it and still throw deep outside to give himself a draft evaluation shot? Uh, No, Mark. I mean, he's going to get a draft evaluation shot because those deep shots that you're talking about outside the numbers and such, they're already on his film, right? Like you've seen that from Sam Hartman. And also I would say for me, like the one thing that we miss sight of with what is a guy being drafted to potentially do on the next level, right? If Sam Hartman is most likely a day three quarterback, somewhere rounds four through seven, and he's going to be drafted to potentially be depth to a room, to be a guy that if situation goes bad, you bring him in and he's not going to kill you, right? That's why guys, I mean, name some of these backup quarterbacks, Chase Daniel and and some of these guys that have just been sticking around, Josh McCown Jer- for the longest Ryan, time. Jaron Hall. Was all, yeah. who who did he replace? Somebody got hurt this week. Was it Kirk Cousins? He's Vikings. Vikings. Yep. That got yep. hurt. So Jaron Hall steps in as their starting, you know, as their quarterback. I mean, think about that. He was at best, at best, the fifth best quarterback Notre Dame faced last year. At best. Yep. Yep. And he's but he's he's, he's a decent talent, and he's probably not going to kill you, right? Like exactly. he's probably not going to kill you. Exactly. Yeah. And he's he's a good enough athlete where he can, you know, not get himself killed. He can extend plays and yep. you know things like I, that. Yes. I I talked about this before the before the season, Mark, but like I think Sam Hartman is a really good college quarterback, a really good one. 
Mm-hmm. But I, I always struggled with the people that are like, could he be a first round pick? I'm just like, no, he's never going to be a first round pick. Could he be a late day two pick that goes in the late third rounds because he has a great year? Maybe. Right. But like more often than like most, the most reasonable outcome was going to be, he was going to be somewhere on day three, whether that is, but the question would have been, is he going to be early day three in the fourth round? Is he going to be mid day three? Is he going to be a guy that's a little bit more towards the end of day three? Like that's just kind of what he's because what Sam Hartman projects to be on the NFL level is a backup. And I think he could be a really good one. And that's, there's no shot Mm -hmm. at that at all. Cause I just mentioned like Josh McCown and a couple of uh, chase Daniel chase. Daniel has made a lot of money in his career for not being a very good NFL quarterback. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's where we are. That's where we are. Yeah. I just want to be clear to the people in the chat. I don't care if you guys are unclothed. That's not my business. I just need to make sure that the people that are on the show with me are clothed. So you guys do you. I just need to see make sure you. that my staff is clothed. That's the big, uh, the big part of it. So um, I might have to close my chat, uh, my uh, DMS on Twitter during that day though, because now people are going to send us unclothed pictures and I can't let that happen. Please don't send those to me. Send those to Ryan all you want, but please don't send. No, those I, I just said I'm going to close it, so they can't send it to me. I guess unless they want to tag me on X, but that'd be weird. Uh, Jim Holleran says, "How many points does it take to beat Clemson this week?" I mean, if they get to 24, I feel I feel good about. It's funny, it, 20, 24 I, literally popped in my head first. Yeah, that's yeah, like, that's a number. I think if Clemson brings their A game, 27 might be needed. Yeah, you know, like 27, 21, 27, 24. If Clemson brings their B, B-plus game, 24 gets it done, in my view. Yeah, as long as your offense doesn't, like, give them points. That's the only That's the only thing. I would just be so surprised if Notre Dame gave up, like, 24 or more points to Clemson. I would just be surprised. I really, Like, this game could very well be a 23-21 game, a 24-20 game, a 24-17 game. A lot like, like the I, 2015 it, game, right, exactly. Yeah, it, it feels like that type of game. I would be surprised if we're sitting here and it's like 35-31 final. Like, I would be very surprised well, if that was the yeah. – I mean, Ryan, if we're being honest, that's kind of what last year's game was like if you take away the turnovers. I mean, Clemson doesn't have those two bad picks, the pick six, and then the one that gave their name at, at about the 12-yard line. It's a 21-14 to 14 game. So, you know, and, and then you say, well, if you don't have the block punt and the first bad interception, maybe DJ's not throwing the second interception that gets returned back. I mean, there's all those type of things. You had yeah. two big turnovers and a blocked punt for a touchdown that, that broke that game open. You didn't win by three touchdowns because your offense came out dominated. I mean, you scored 21 right. offensive points. And one of those touchdowns came off of a what, 12-yard drive, 13-yard drive, off of a pick. So I could see something similar this year, hopefully. And 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 here's the thing. If the offense gets into the 30s on its own, like, you know, maybe maybe one short drive, but, you know, pretty much on its own, that's a heck of a performance against this defense. It really is. I don't know why it just popped in my head, but did you see the over-under on the Iowa-Northwestern game this week? Wasn't it like sub-30? It's the lowest it's ever been. 29 and a half is the over-under. That's crazy. That is just crazy. Um, (laughs) To to your point, Ryan, let's remember, too, folks, that Florida State's offense scored 17 points in regulation against Clemson. Their offense. Now, they scored 24 points as a team because they had a a long fumble return for a touchdown. But their offense only scored 17 points in regulation. This is not an easy team to score on. Uh, NC State scored 24 last week. One, seven of them came on a pick six. 
Miami beat beat Clemson. They scored 28 points. They need two overtimes to get there, right? You see what I'm saying? Right. Like, you know, Duke is the only one that scored a lot of points with only their offense. But again, you're in a similar situation. They got a bunch of short fields because of turnovers. You know, they right. weren't putting a lot of long drives, scoring drives together against against Clemson. They had a you know 50, 57 yard field goal drive, 40 yard field goal drive, 33 yard touchdown drive, 49 yard touchdown drive. They had one touchdown drive that that started out be, beyond midfield. That's it. And so this is just this is a harder team to score on. So I say their 23 points per game allowed, Ryan, does not do justice to how good this defense has been this year. It does not. Michael Johnson said, without Mitchell Evans, could we go four wide with CT, Chris Tyree, and Holden Stace? Well, yeah. I mean, they they do that already with Mitchell Evans. I mean, we've seen them do that with Mitchell Evans at times where they'll, they'll kind of go move him around. So, yeah, I think what they'll do a lot of, Michael, is is lining up in 11. This is He's advocating for like 11 personnel. Lining up yep. in 11 personnel, moving Holden Stace around, getting different you know angle blocks and things like that. And then also sometimes you can move him around to, to get him in a leverage in the pass game. you know, Or you can just line up in trips. You can line up in three-by-one with him backside or line up in two-by-two two with him into the boundary. Line up two-by-two two with him to the field. There's a lot of different things that you can do uh, yep. with Holden Stace. And, but, you've, but a lot of that too, Ryan, is they're already doing. They're doing a lot of that. With, they did a lot of that with Mitchell Evans. I, what I would say is I, I would hope that the route concepts would be a little different because I think Holden Stace is a different type of tight end. His strengths sure. are a little different than Mitchell's. And and but yeah, Michael, I, I could definitely see that, man. I could definitely see that. Agreed. Carlos Garza's question before. I'm sure you saw or heard, but what are your thoughts on the Dabo rant? Of course, he- I, I had no problem with it. No problem what? with it. Like there's there's the fans have this thing where some, not all. I think most people want a professional level of respect between the coach and the and the and the and the media. Now that doesn't mean you don't have to ask tough questions, and you know you can ask tough questions in a respectful manner. And yeah. but you just you that was not like oh if I was there I'd say this this and this. Well okay well then don't be surprised when the coach says something back to you, right? right. Like Brian Kelly went off at me one on me one time at a press conference, and I've never been like that was bull crap. What a dick move. I said, you know what? I should have asked that question better because the way mm-hmm. that I asked it, I didn't read the room. Like he had gotten asked like three really dumb questions in a row. And I don't know who the, who the guys were. I think they were just like, wait, force me. It's like re- really dumb questions in a row. And I could see him getting mad. And so my question was going to be talking about, they really struggled with their pass game in the first half, but then made changes and, and really ripped it up in the second half. I was going to ask him, what led to your struggles in the first half? And then, hey, you did a great job in the second half. What what led to that? Well, by that point in time, I never got to the second part of the question. I should have led with the first part, right? Yeah. Asked it better. And then I could have got to my, okay, what was the reason that you had the issues in the first half? And so you can ask a coach, coach tough questions, but there should always be a level of respect. And if you ask a fair question and the coach responds like a jerk, then that's on the coach. Like if Dabo would have gone on his rant because the kid said, hey, you know, um, are you disappointed that the team is four and four with all the success you guys have had and, you know, you're making a lot of money. I just kind of felt this team would be a lot better. I think Dabo and then Dabo then went on that long rant. I'm like, dude, you're overreacting. You're being kind of a jerk. But like he listened for like several minutes of this kid just bashing 
you say you're a, a man of religion and all. I mean, it's like, you know, tar, use, misquoting I, nothing. There's very few things that bother me more than people that are improperly proof. They proof text the Bible verses. They'll say like, well, the Bible says this. I'm like, I, I've, okay, how about you read the two passages before and the two passages afterwards? Because you're going to realize the context in which you're using it is not appropriate. Because people think they can just take a Bible verse and just take it with no context and apply it to however they want to apply it. That's not how the Bible, how studying the Bible, interpreting the Bible works. And so you use something about humility and stuff like this. And it's like, after a while, he just got sick of it and he went off. Yeah. And I thought it was a wholly appropriate. If you want to step to a coach and disrespect him and diminish everything he's done for the previous 12 years, don't be pissed when he claps back. And right. I, I was, I was all for it. I was all for it. I had, I had no, I had no ill will towards it at all. I actually thought it was very deserved based upon your kind of framing of it as far as like how the coach was coming at it. I mean, how the uh, person on the call was coming at it. Look, you gate, you give Dabo Sweeney media availability and he didn't say anything in response that was incorrect. He didn't say a word where I was like, that's not true. You're deflecting, you're putting blame in wrong situations. All he said or misrepresenting was, what that guy said. He didn't do that either. All, all he said was that he's proud of what they've built, and I think that there should be a deeper appreciation for what we have built here because he's 100%. right. Clemson before Dabo Sweeney was not very good. I mean, they just weren't very good. Clemsoning was a thing literally early on in his career as well, and then he gets over that hump, and now he has built a really good program who's having a down year. I, I really think that there just needs to be a little bit yeah. of a take a step back. Can we appreciate it and be like, yes. hey, this isn't up to the standard you've built, but like you are the one that is literally why there is a standard at Clemson right now. You are Correct. the reason that there's a standard. So yeah, I don't Ryan don't have any Clemson played football from 1896 to 2006 before yeah. da or 2007 before Dabo was hired. They won one national title, one, and it was 35 years before the one that they won with him. He's won two. He's taking you to the playoff what five times? Yeah, he's won six ACC titles, six seven ACC titles. Like you've yep. had twelve years in a row of ten plus wins. They're having a down year, and you want to come at them like that? Like that doesn't mean you don't look. They need to be asking tough questions of Coach Sweeney. They yep. need to be asking him tough questions because some of the decisions he's made have led to them being four and four. This sure. isn't a thing where you had a bunch of injuries and and you know things fell apart and it just. You lost to some really. You had a tough schedule, and you you lost this guy, and you lost that guy, and you lost this other guy. And it's just it's just been a tough year. But we'll bounce back. No, that's not what's happened this year. I think he has made decisions in recent seasons that have hurt the program, uh, or or caused prevented it from building on the success they had under Deshaun and uh, Taj. Because everybody says, "Well, you just had two generational quarterbacks." They were pretty freaking good before Deshaun Watson was their starting quarterback. With with Taj Boyd, they had two really good teams under Taj Boyd. He beat LSU, a Les Miles LSU team, in a bowl game, and he beat a Urban Meyer coached Ohio State team in a major bowl game, the Orange Bowl. Yeah. So it's not like they were okay, and then all of a sudden Deshaun Watson shows up and they're great all of a sudden. And then, you know, like they they had a nice run with three quarterbacks, and you can challenge him on the job he's done the last three years, and I think that's fair game, but there's a way to do it. And this guy opens up media. It, this wasn't even media availability. This was just, he opens up to fans can ask questions. This is, I think, just some fan. It was a fan. And yep. I'm never doing that again if I'm him. Like, you know, this is how it's going to be. But, but no, he's correct because you can be critical of what you're seeing now 
without disrespecting the job that they've done before. I think that's right. really what it came down to. And right. um yeah. Keep everything into perspective. Keep everything into right. perspective. This this Cause... struggle of a season does not exemplify Dabo Sweeney's tenure at Clemson. It does not exemplify right. the entire thing. So and uh for those Clemson fans wanting to get rid of Dabo, be careful what you wish for. I'll just leave <laughs> it at that. Like, Tommy, be careful Tommy what you Bowden wish back. For. Yeah. Call Tommy Bowden and see if that'll work for you. Well, when the guy, I think that's probably what set Dabo off is when the guy compared him to Tommy Bowden. Not so that he doesn't fun. like Tommy Bowden; like he's a good, yeah. good guy. I mean, he hired Dabo. I mean, so they, they, right. I'm sure they have a good relationship. But like, but he wasn't a great um, coach. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs>